This is your emergency broadcast system. Welcome to Hashtag Biz with Beard and Bald, the business podcast with attitude. Today's show is sponsored by Top Flight Athletics in Cypress, Texas. Top Flight Athletics applies the most advanced instructional training methods and aids in overall athletic performance and event management. Now, sit back and enjoy the show. May God be with you all. Once again, time for another episode of your favorite business podcast, Hashtag Biz with Beard and Bald. You two are just dumber than a bag of hammers. I am your host, Kirby Smith, a.k.a. The Beard. Hey, how you doing? And as you can tell, I am back in charge of this army. And all the way from Houston, Texas, is my co-host, the man who has the temper and height of Napoleon Bonaparte, the bald himself, Mr. Scott Schaefer. Oh, well, there's strikes two and three right there. I see you still think you're funny, <clears throat> Beard, and such a pushy little bastard, but uh, I kind of like it, kind of like our, our sensei guest today. Well, that, but, was little, uh, that was a little karate wo- kid line there, wasn't it? You're a pushy little bastard, ain't you? Well, I, of I course. That. Of course, my Wookiee companion. But, uh, you know, it's such a cliche to call short people aggressive, and if you do it again, you're going to need a body bag yourself. Get him a body bag! Yeah! All right. <laughs> <laughs> Good one, buddy. Uh, well, let me bring in our guest and all this fun who's joining us today all the way from sunny Los Angeles, California. Sensei Ron Thomas, welcome to Hashtag Biz with Beard and Bald. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. No, thank you for joining us. I'm really excited. and uh, Pleasure. Extremely excited today. And if any of you are wondering why I'm so excited, why don't you tell them why, Scott? Well, <clears throat> Aside from our guests, I'm not quite sure because I have a feeling at the end of this show, um, your beard is going to get a leg sweep for sure. Um, But let me do this for all of you listeners out there. Hashtag biz with beard and bald fans. Um, Let me just take a quick second, although it'll take closer to a couple minutes to read through um, our next guest, uh, Sensei Ron's resume, if I may. And uh, I think you're just going to be just thoroughly impressed with what you're going to hear. Um, Sensei Ron Thomas is an internationally recognized actor who we all remember in the iconic 80s. I say all of us, um, us older listeners, remember from the iconic 80s film The Karate Kid is Cobra Kai member Bobby Brown. He also has published, he is a published author of two books, one called Positive Thinking is for Sissies and The Best You Can Sucks. He is a motivational speaker and empowering life and mindset coach. He is also the founder of the Mastery Boot Camp, Pivot, and the Mindset Academy for Athletes. I can't wait to hear more about that, Sensei Ron. Sensei Ron's real-life martial art abilities rank him among the world's best. He is a two-time world champion, five-time international self-defense champion, sixth-degree black belt, United States jiu-jitsu team trainer, founder and sensei of the world-class training centers in Los Angeles, nationally ranked examiner for the United States Judo Association, I'm not sure, Ron, do you have more than 24 hours in a day, unlike the rest of us? (laughs) And a a personal coach for multiple national and world champions. He also has advanced training in neuro-linguistic programming, the NLP, and is a certified... You think I grew a beard and, and is a certified master practitioner. He graduated with honors from the Hypnosis Motivation Institute, the nation's most acclaimed college of clinical hypnotherapy and behavioral studies. During this residency, Ron won the director's award 
for professional achievement and received certifications in several related areas, including handwriting analysis, applied kinesiology, sports hypnosis, timeline therapy. Wow. Sensei Ron now enjoys taking the stage, not the stage as an actor, but as a dynamic speaker and semin seminar leader. Companies have hired Sensei. We should hire Sensei Ron. Companies have hired Sensei Ron to work with their internal sales and account management teams to achieve a higher level of focus, teamwork, and, of course, leadership. Sensei Ron also works with professional actors and athletes to help them take their performance to the next level and beyond through personal and group coaching. I can see why you are excited, Beard. Yeah. Ron, you are one hell of an accomplished individual. And like Scott says, I mean, how do you do it all? Uh, again, thank you for joining us. And no wonder we can't get any gigs booked. Ron's taking them on with that type of resume. That's impressive, bud. <laughs> well, you got you, you have to also remember I'm in my 50s. So, uh, you know, <laughs> well, we're I spent close, a little time so. on the planet. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're close and, and Beard looks like he's in his 60s. You dick. So Thanks. I think this balances the entire show out, Mr. Ron. Is, is that a gray hair <laughs> dig there, bud? And of course it was. But hey, Rod, before my before my friend whose face looks like an axe wound and a gorilla's back starts to pick <laughs> on us both, dang, for, for a look he cannot pull off ever, never, ever, I want to make sure all of our listeners go out and uh, go to the show at anchor.fm backslash biz. That's anchor.fm backslash biz with Beard and Bald. Then share it with your friends and on all of your social media pages. Let it run wild. Yeah, and while you're there, they uh, they or their company can help support the show by clicking on listener support. Uh, so unfortunately, as you kind of mentioned on past episodes, I have felt uh, pretty safe poking fun of Scott and his unfortunate dilemma on his head again. However, today I'm a little scared I might get my ass kicked. So <laughs> you you should be Sasquatch. My new friend Sensei Ron and I will show no mercy on you today. Fear does not exist in this dojo. No, Sensei. So don't cross that line. And by the way, Beard, Fifty Shades of Grey was a movie, not a fashion, fashion statement. <laughs> Come on, man. Yes. You know those are wisdom highlights. <laughs> you, you guys are like you guys are like Cobra Kai in training. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take I, that as a compliment. A very, that's, that's a huge compliment. <laughs> so, oh, fat, oh man, where am well, I? Well, hey, let's let's you guys, shift. You guys are you bullies. You're bullying each other. You know I that. know, right? We do do yeah. that. Yeah. Well, I have a theory on that, but let's shift gears first, because I know, Sensei Ron, you are a major athlete in the Super Bowls this weekend. Who do you have? Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I knew how it was going to go. So you have the Saints? So, uh, you, you said Los Angeles. Oh, I thought you had the Saints. My bad. You, no, you said Los Angeles. Scott's still, oh, okay. Scott's still <laughs> crying over that loss. He, you know, he still thinks it's unfair. Obviously, uh, you're picking Los Angeles. Well, you, you're rooting for Los Angeles, but you know, sure. with Tom Brady and Gronk, man, I, is there something in the back of your head just you knows this isn't going to go the right way? <laughs> Tom Brady, he's getting a little old. <laughs> you, know? I, you know, I agree with that. I mean, I watched that last game, and I was sitting there with my wife. We were in bed watching it, and I was sitting there going, watch this. He, he's going to do it again. I just know he's going to do it again, and it just drives me nuts. But, man, the guy. I don't I don't even know why we have to even like question it. Check it out. So we're all old enough to remember Brady's first Super Bowl ring, right? And who was yep. he playing against? It was the Rams. The Rams. Yep. 
Yep. So this is the NFL's perfect storybook ending. Brady and Belichick can kiss and break up, not make up. And Brady can ride off into the sunset with that sixth ring and retire after beating the team that he beat the very first Super Bowl championship ring. And he will be the MVP of the game, of course. So you're saying this is all rigged and all these LA fans are going to be very disappointed. No, I'm, I'm rooting all the way for the Rams, bro. I'm going to have, I'm going to go crazy for them, but, and it's not rigged. I just, that to me is just a perfect storybook, you know, ending. But before we go any further about the NFL, as I mentioned just a moment ago, since Iran, I have a theory on everything uh, Karate Kid related. So um, here's my thoughts and you chime in whenever and however you want. Okay. Um, I really believe Dan- Danny was the real bully, um, kind of like Beard and, you know, Beard came to this show. He sucker punched me right out of the gate a couple of times. Um, thank God he can't steal my wife. I mean, look at him. But um, <laughs> I want to know real quick before we go any further, um, was he the real bully in this whole movie? Well, <laughs> <laughs> but you, well you, you know, you, you read in my bio that I've studied hypnosis. I think you've been hypnotized by all these uh, – all these fans out here who want to rewrite the original script that <laughs> in and wrote. I don't think you can't top what uh, Robert what Robert came and brought for us. You know, You're right? The script the script was amazing and uh, and it, it's played out in such a way that you know it's a legacy. It's a legend. It's a legendary film. It's a like le- it's left a legacy and and all these fans want to rewrite it and and um, be really creative online and and. <laughs> get social media attention online by coming up with some sort of uh, funny little video that, that twists the whole storyline around. Right. So, well, you, well, you know. so you're referring to the one YouTube video that's out there, right? Where they come out and say, hey, Daniel's the real yeah. bully. And you usually watch it and you go, wow, you know what? I think he actually was. So. Yeah. He did throw and, the first punch, right? I, I, you know, I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I only saw that one. I saw maybe I don't even know how long ago I saw it. That's the first one that I saw where they tried to depict Daniel as the bully. Um, And I thought it was very funny, very clever. But I also think it's somebody trying to get social media attention on YouTube. You know, I mean, but, but, you know, the fans are such a culture with the fan base around this whole franchise, the Karate Kid. And I mean, of course, Cobra Kai, Um, you know, the legend just continues on. But uh, the fans like to have fun with it and, yeah. Well, you know, when it comes down to it, the reality is um, Robert Mark came and wrote a brilliant script, and yeah. Daniel Son was not the bully. Right. Well, well the so is, I, oh, go ahead. Go yeah. ahead, Bird. Well, it's 30 years old, right? And like you said, it's developed this cult following, and now they got this new TV series on YouTube, Red, um, and it's reaching a whole new audience that seems to be just thriving better than ever. And it kind of, you know, I mean, they even kind of mentioned in that, I mean, have you seen, you've, you've seen the TV show, right? Obviously, you probably looked at watched it, right? Sure, yeah, I've yeah. watched it, sure. And you, there's this, I can't remember what episode it was, where Johnny sits down with his new student, and he kind of goes into this whole, you know, Daniel was the bully, not me. And they kind of play yeah. off and make fun of that, which I think was brilliant. Um, but being in the first two movies and seeing this rebirth 30 years later, I mean, how does that make you feel? Uh, well, I'm honored, first of all, just to be a part of the, the original franchise. Right. And, and the making of something that is so unique. In Hollywood, um, I was sitting around. Oh, one time we were—I was at a comic con. I was hanging out with Marty Cove and, and Billy Zepka, and uh, we were just talking about 
the movie and how many and, and you know marty asked the question how many movies do you know can, that people have watched more than five times they just continue to watch it over and over and over again and, and really if you think about that question there's not that many movies Mm-mm. that have not only do people watch it over and over again but it's got this generational uh, quality about it. and actually the film what i really appreciate about, about the film is that, that it's changed so many lives and it's changed lives because it got people started in the martial arts mm-hmm. and uh, globally. And I know that for a fact because I get fan mail and email all the time. And, you know, with Cobra Kai, when you talk about the TV series, um, it's I don't know how much of that audience is new to the Karate Kid. Right. I think it's generational. I get fan mail from six and seven year olds right. because they're. Their parents made them watch this movie that changed their lives when they were kids. Right. And now, you know, now these kids have to watch it. And they love my character, Bobby, for being the good guy yep. out of the guys, you know, and having the the one with the heart and one, the one that had the conscience. And and um, yep. so I'm not I don't know. I think there's a smaller percentage of Cobra Kai that that is new. Yeah. To the franchise, but well, I think like, again, you, you, you know. you've been mentioned, you know, I, I did that with my kid, my oldest son, who's 17 now. I made him watch it, you know, probably about five or six years ago, and he loved it. And yeah. then the new one came out with, um, was it uh, Will Smith's kid, right? Were they in uh, mm-hmm. Jackie Chan? And he mm-hmm. likes the original better. He's like, nah, mm-hmm. that one's all right, but I, I like this one better. He, right. he's still attached to that one and that's just and it's it's odd and like you said i don't think there's many movies out there where you sit there and turn on oh karate kids on i'm gonna watch it again i get caught doing it all the time probably the most, sure. the most productive thing in the world but it's like oh this is on i'm gonna watch this or i'm gonna have it on in the background it's you know uh and i think a lot of it you know there's so many great lines from the movie you know strike first hard or strike first strike hard no mercy you know which i've actually used with my eight-year-old for football and i probably shouldn't um <laughs> <laughs> sweep the leg <laughs> Get him a body bag, out of commission. I mean, there's you can just go on, wax on, wax off. Out of all those lines, which one's your favorite? And uh, how much of that did you you guys come up with as young actors on your own, or how much was actually scripted? Well, m- most of them were scripted. Um, body, get him a body bag was, um, I think, was uh, ad-libbed by Rob Garrison. Okay. Awesome. I think it was just come up with something in the in the heat of the moment. The camera happened to be on him, and he just yelled, "Get him a body bag!" <laughs> you know, and it stuck. Right. Because um, I don't remember that being in the. I, I think that's true. I, I don't think it was in the original script. But but you know, I want him out of commission. Wax on, wax off. All of that stuff was scripted. Scripted by Robert. By Robert Kamen, sure. And yeah. and my favorite, of course, I got to pick one of mine. Was, um, but Sensei, I can beat this guy. Right. I want him out of commission. But Sensei, I can beat this guy. I don't want him beat. But I'll be disqualified. Out of commission. Because, because I believe, like a lot of fans believe, that that Bobby got robbed and got disqualified <laughs> and would have won the tournament. Oh, okay. So There you, you know, hear it. You heard it first here. Hey, everybody was 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 really waiting to hear that, to hear hear what you would say about that, Sensei. So um, I was, yeah. was going to ask you this a little bit later in the in the show, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. So what I'm going to ask after you think you would have beaten Daniel, right? And then you would have faced Johnny Lawrence in the finals. And to be honest, you you could have beaten Johnny. 
Well, see, when you say you, you're saying Ron Thomas. And Ron Thomas oh, would have kicked the crap out of me. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that with Billy being one of my best friends. He, <laughs> he knows the truth. Um, you know, sweet guy. We're, we're, we're tight. Uh, but, but if you're talking about Bobby and Johnny, uh, I have to believe, I have to stand by my character. Um, you, if you ask William Zapka, he's going to, he's going to stand by Johnny, of course. Right. Well, but I got to stand by, by Bobby. And you have to remember there's a real important, um, scene that got cut out of the movie that was shot. I didn't know that. Yeah. And it's, it's when I, it's that whole segment of the film where I say, but I'm going to be disqualified and I'm heartbroken that crease is making me do this. Yeah. I go out, I, I disqualify myself. So Johnny can end up in the finals. Right. Right. And you blow. This and, um, then when I, after, and, and also I don't want to hurt, I don't want to hurt this kid, Daniel son. I just want to win the tournament and, or Bobby, I should say Bobby doesn't. And so when Bobby, hurts Daniel's leg and he says, I'm sorry what got cut out of the film that we, we filmed it, but it got cut was I walk across the tournament floor toward crease. I take off my black belt, drop it at his feet and I walk out of the tournament. Wow. And, mm. and I have tears in my eyes. Well, that's probably a pretty tough scene then. You're probably pretty upset that I got cut, huh? Um, yes. I mean, I think, I think it would have been, uh, I think it would have been a really impactful moment in the in the movie and said a lot about Bobby, yeah. you know, that character. Well, so. throughout the whole movie, he kind of, you know, you just saw that, right? I mean, when he was, you guys are you guys are beating on him on the, against the fence and your uh, skeleton outfits, and you were the ones that, hey, you know, he's had enough, and uh, right, you know, and then even like you said in the tournament, you know, you're you, you, man, you're ready to go. You re- look like you're ready to pop out there and just go beat him, and then you get pulled back, and I mean, yeah, it's it's sad. I and mean, you wouldn't have fallen for that ridiculous crane kick, right? <laughs> no, I don't think many people would have. <laughs> so, but Sensei, tell, oh, go ahead. My buddy Daryl Vidal. <laughs> so, Sensei, you bring up uh, separating, you know, Sensei Ron from the character. So, I want to know this: when you auditioned for the movie, um, did you and the rest of the cast know much karate back then? I was the only one, and. What's funny about that whole story is that I was told by my agent not to say anything about my martial arts because they were looking for actors and they were going to train the actors anyway, but they wanted to know you could act. They weren't necessarily concerned about your martial arts abilities. So they said, just when you go in on this audition, if they ask you, fine, say something, but uh, don't bring it up. Don't, don't make that the focal point of your audition. Just focus on your acting. So you didn't you didn't bring that up. You didn't show any of that. So you got it strictly based on your acting. Correct. Wow. And then and then later on, uh, I think it was about six weeks into training when Pat Johnson came up to me and goes, "You you've had some training before, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> you know some stuff." <laughs> so. Well, you guys yeah, went through a pretty gruesome training. For what from I think I read somewhere that was like what six months worth of training packed into three months. Is that right? Or is that true? Or uh, it was something similar to that. I mean, we were, we started as soon as we got the roles and we signed the contracts, we were training the next day and we were, you know, with Pat Johnson and, and we were training every day, whether we were filming or not. So, you know, we, we, we had to be on the set. Um, I, I, I can't remember how many hours of training a day is at least a couple hours every day. 
I'm assuming that wasn't a big deal for you, Sensei, because that was already part of your, you know, daily regimen, wasn't it? Yeah, that's 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 true. Yeah, I, I, it wasn't a big deal. We, we were having a blast. It was. I don't think it was a big deal for anybody. We were having so much fun. Yeah. Um, Pat, Pat Johnson, you know, he he kicked our butts. He was. He's a very <laughs> serious guy, serious martial artist. Um, he likes to have fun, but when it's time to work, he's no joke. Yeah. You know, he's, he's focused. So. And, there, you know, there was only five of us. There wasn't like a dojo full of 20 kids. It was the five of us, and you know, training with Pat. And then he would train um, he would train Ralph Macchio separate from us. Okay. Uh, why, why do you do it separate? Well, that was kind of a John Appleton decision to kind of keep us separate on the set. Um, I mean, we hung out with Ralph. Don't get me wrong. We, right. we were... We were, it was okay if we talked to him, <laughs> you know, <laughs> go, go in his trailer and hang out. But for the most part, we were, they wanted that whole vibe of yeah. keeping us a little bit separate from Ralph and, and, uh, Pat Marita. So do you and you guys stay in touch at all? And you have, you just, you kind of touched on that and how realistic were the characters? I mean, it looks like they wanted that vibe. Uh, how, how realistic were the characters you guys played back then compared to the young guys you actually were? Oh, totally opposite. Totally opposite. All yeah. of you? Yeah. I okay. mean, we're all. Marty Cove is the sweetest guy. He's a good friend. They're, we're all good friends. We've we've stayed in touch um, this whole time. And, you know, Billy and Tony were at my wedding. I was at Billy's wedding. Marty Marty comes over to my house. We all hang out. Um, and uh, every, every one of us is uh, down to earth. Sweet guys, really? no, ego. yeah, no egos. Ralph Macchio, oh. sweetest guy. Um, Pat Morita, rest in peace. Right. Uh, one of my one of my favorite people I've ever met in Hollywood. Um, we called him Uncle Pat. And I, the cool story about Uncle, Uncle Pat is, I had my dojo in in L.A. and uh, I ran into Pat up at Universal Studios. I can't remember why, but he was hanging out up there. And I told him that I was having a promotion at my school and I, I, you know, all the kids, all our kids had had, they'd been training and and we did testing and they were going to put on a big demonstration and I was going to do a demo and uh, all the parents were going to be in the school. And I asked him if he would come and and say hi to, and he's, and he came. So I went up to universal studios and my black belts were keeping everybody, you know, saying there's a special guest coming to the promotion and just sit tight because I wasn't there yet but they had all the kids lined up and i i went and picked up pat and drove drove over to the dojo and and of course we walked in the parents were there the kids were there and i walked in with freaking mr miyagi right <laughs> <laughs> oh man and the kids just their jaws just dropped Drop, right. you know i mean I, who was sensei ron at that point mr miyagi just came in to see them get promoted <laughs> that is so awesome cool. Totally yeah, cool. that's that's how cool the people, you know, on the set were. Yeah, and poor Martin. I mean, he's always played. I'm trying to remember all his roles, but he's always the bad guy in all the roles, is he not? I mean, I remember him. Was it Rainbow yeah. too? Yeah. So he's got poor guys well, with stereotype. Yeah, he did Cagney and Lacey, um, the series. Oh, that's right. I forgot yeah. about that. Uh, he, he's a great actor, you know? Yeah. He, he's a great actor, but if you know him personally, he's the sweetest guy. That's great. He is. He's just a big teddy bear. 
Well, Mr. Ron, I think <clears throat> I think I know where um, where your answer will lie with this next question, but I know we have a lot of listeners that uh, want to hear it from you. But since you are a sensei, in your professional opinion, um, here we go with the crane kick. So <laughs> the crane kick at the end of the championship was it illegal, and should Johnny have won? <laughs> so so let's we got to look at the point fighting, right? Karate. That's where I was confused by this. Yes. Yeah. So point fighting versus continuous fighting, like kickboxing match, right? Where you're trying to knock the other person out. Point fighting is you're trying to score a point in the professional world. We kind of call it a high speed game of tag. Like you're right. trying to tag the other person with your hand and your feet. You're not trying to hurt them. So this is, I'm talking about the real world, not, not fantasy Hollywood. Uh, you would have hands and feet, feet pads on, you would have headgear on, you would have a mouth guard in, you would be, there would be safety equipment required. Um, in some tournaments at the black belt level, the headgear is not necessarily required, but pad padding is, you, you notice that we didn't wear any pads. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's the first mistake, right? That's the yeah. first, that's the first cut away from reality. <laughs> um, and it's, Depending on the rank, if you're a black belt, there can be some contact. Head contact should be very, very light in a point karate tournament, um, if there is any head contact at all. Uh, but you can score a point just by tapping them. If you kick somebody that hard, I don't care if it's a crane kick, a roundhouse kick, a spinning back kick, in the head or in the face, you're going to get disqualified. Or at, least, at very minimum, you're going to get a warning. Right. You do it again, you're disqualified. You hurt somebody in a point karate tournament, and typically, you're disqualified. So, so there's our answer, huh? So the answer in reality is the kick was illegal because um, it snapped his head back and bloodied his nose. Right. Right. But of course, in in you know Hollywood takes a little bit of creative liberty. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, so seeing uh, that, and you know when you're in the moment, I know you have to act. Do you sit there and go, oh, you have a hard time with that? Or you're just like, you know what? It is what it is. I'm here to do my job, and, that, you know, I got to do it. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting you say that. I mean, as a, as a martial artist and an actor, um, when I see things in martial arts movies or whatever that, that just <laughs> don't make sense or just like, yeah. oh, my God, that choreography is so bad. Who choreographed this crap? You know, I, uh, I get a little offended or or i shouldn't say offended but i'm like god you know <laughs> oh, um, yeah. whereas i don't think the fans people who don't understand martial arts i don't think they see it one way or the other they're just into it you know right but i i certainly can get frustrated with some things that i can see could be done so much better right well i'm that way with any movie if i see it, it drives my wife nuts I watch a movie and say, well, that's not realistic because, you know, and I was going this whole length. She's like, would you just watch the movie? It's, 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 right. acting. it's just, you know, get, just get into the movie. Like, I, I said, I can't, it's not realistic. So, right. And what, like... frustrates, what frustrates me even more is I've done a lot of stunt work too. And I know a lot of the stunt guys in, mm -hmm. in that community and um, it's their job to bring some reality to it too. You know, uh, I'm not talking about karate kids specifically. I'm just talking about any yeah. movies in general, like, Okay, if you're going to get a job as a stunt coordinator or a fight choreographer, then know your stuff, you know, and, and make it realistic as possible. So everything yeah. Sensei just said, everybody, applies to 
Beard's face. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Make it realistic. Make it realistic, bro. Oh, like, thanks. oh my gosh. Dude, I, think, I, I take care of that every two weeks, man. Come on. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a process. So. I think he, he he's obsessed with your beard. I threw up in my mouth a little bit. I think he is, right? Yeah. yeah. I actually think he's just jealous. So. I'd be secretly, yeah. <laughs> well, we've known each other for 25 years. I, yeah, I, I could see that. So no, I, I hear so often people want to see my baby Browns. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, this has been fantastic. We got to take a break for our sponsors, and uh, this has just been fun uh, reminiscing about the Karate Kid and uh, the upcoming series that's coming up. Uh, but when we get back, I really want to get to talk about you, Ron, what you're doing now, and how that kind of really launched everything for you. If that's okay. Sounds good. All right, let's break away. Uh, we'll listen to a little uh, Karate Kid song. I think we all know it, and uh, we'll be back. Welcome back, hashtag Biz with Beard and Bald fans. And as mentioned prior to the break, you are actually a sensei, Mr. Ron, and founder of World Class Training Center in Los Angeles. And uh, actually, you know, you are far more than that. You are ranked among the world's best, and your accomplishments are as follows. I want everybody to listen closely, friends. Two-time world champion, five-time international self-defense champion, sixth-degree black belt, United States Jiu-Jitsu team trainer, founder and sensei of the world-class training centers in Los Angeles, national rank examiner for the United States Judo Association, and a personal coach for multiple national and world champions. I believe I read somewhere, sensei, that many of you uh, were not trained going into the movie, and you've already kind of uh, provided us some details about that, everybody but you was not trained, and that you received a gruesome training regimen, which we've already talked about. Was it ahead of the filming of this movie where you fell in such a deep love and passion with karate? Or did the movie help shape that passion? And what about your career since then and life going forward? Can you share that with us? Well, sure. I, I grew up in Reno, Nevada. Um, and I grew up as an athlete. I mean, I was three years old, almost turning four, and I was a competitive swimmer already. At three and, years old? Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, in fact, I can remember my very first swimming race. I can remember them announcing, uh, you know, little Ronnie Thomas, the youngest competitive <laughs> swimmer in the world. Wow. And I don't know if that was true or not, but I was just turning four, uh, still three, in my very very first swimming race. And I continued swimming until I was like um, 13 or 14 years old competitively. I was a, became a state champion and, and a regional champion. And, and um, then I stopped all the other swimmers kept growing <laughs> and height wise I stopped, you know, so I'm at, I stopped at like five foot eight or whatever. And, and, uh, the rest of the swimmers went up into like six foot five, six, you know, right. They're pulling a lot more water than I can. But, um, 
than competitive golf. Uh, competitive. Just I grew up just loving sports and loving competition. Got into the martial arts um, because I had my quick story. I had my own Cobra Kai moment when I first joined. Uh, first went into high school, and I was a freshman, and the and the coach was weighing me in, and I weighed in at just under a hundred pounds. Wow. And I was four foot, I think I was four foot ten and a half or something like that. And a freshman in high school, right? right and the coach, yeah. the, the coach who weighed me in for PE and taking all my stats was uh, the JV football coach. And he just kind of looked at me and said, go home and eat, son. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I'm, I'm walking around this big school, high school and, and not knowing a lot of people. And, and these four guys are coming at me and down this hallway and I'm alone. And there's no, it's like after school, I'm looking for my locker and, uh, want to check the combination and everything. And these four guys are walking, they're laughing amongst each other. And they might as well have been Johnny, Bobby, you know, and Dutch and, and Tommy right. <laughs> coming at me because the one guy, one guy is laughing and he steps out of the pack as I'm passing them and punches me in the face. Really? Yeah. For like no like reason. Dutch move, right? Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> And I, I don't know who this guy is. You know, I don't I don't know these guys. They just hit me for no reason, just having fun. First day of school. God. And and so I realized I needed to get an equalizer, so I started studying martial arts. Wow. And uh, it wasn't karate, it was jujitsu, Japanese jujitsu. Okay. And I happened to find a, a sensei who was a, a judo and jujitsu champion and um, Professor Larry Carey in Reno, Nevada. And he passed away last summer, but uh, you can look him, look him up and look up his credentials. But I, he was that. my own. He was my own. Yeah, thank you. He was my own personal Mr. Miyagi. And when I was training with him, you know, he, he I've seen and studied with a lot of martial artists, some well known, not some some not so well known. And my sensei was somebody who just not just knew a bunch of techniques, but he understood what made things work. And, um, he taught in such a way that was, I, I haven't found it again in the martial really? art world. Wow. Yeah. And not only that, it was the beginning of my interest in life coaching. Um, because he would, what I enjoyed even more sometimes was after at the end of class, when we were about to bow out, he would start talking. And sometimes he wouldn't shut up for 45 minutes. <laughs> He'd be talking about life and right. how to how to think and how to focus and confidence and self-esteem and what it does for somebody. And, and, and he was talking in such a way that I hadn't heard before from any of my coaches, um, you know, anywhere. And I just uh, sucked it in like, you know, I absorbed it like a sponge. And it was really not just my interest in, in martial arts going training with him, but my interest in helping other people right. um, become more than who they're currently being. Well, I think, and, you bring up, uh, yeah, yeah I, I think you bring up a good point. Cause I mean, there's a lot of you know sales coaches out there, life coaches. I mean, we, we are, we're, we're consultants and coaches. Right. And I always told Scott this, I said, Hey, I want to do something. I want to be different. You know, I don't, I don't want to be just one of those guys who are just selling some stupid junked up process. I mean, I really want people to understand what's behind it and why, you know, not just to say, Hey, if you do these three steps or these 10 steps, you'll be successful, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you can get that from anybody. Um, right. You know, and, and that's difficult to do. And I think you have to have, you know, the mindset to do it. 
um, and, you know, mm -hmm. and to push that off onto someone's even, you know, that much more difficult. And I can't wait to start talking a little bit to you about that stuff. But, um, you know, I just, you know, really enjoy what you just said there. So that was uh, pretty deep. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a special type of person. It's, it's you know, I talk a lot about mastery um, and self mastery. And it's I don't know how many of us actually reach the level of mastery. You know, mm -hmm. in this lifetime or in the next one or the next one after that, because I think it's just an ongoing process. And, you know, I always say that the top of Mastery Mountain is a really lonely place. Right. But we can be walking the path of mastery and we can be walking up that mountain and elevating ourselves and expanding and becoming more of who we are. Or we can choose the path of mediocrity, which is what many people do. or I would say most people do because it's right. easier. It's not right. a, it's not an uphill path. It's the, you know, so, sometimes it's a downhill path. Well, I'll tell you uh, what, that, that's a great clip right there. I mean, that was just amazing. My yeah. wife, my wife says I'm a master of all kinds of things, but nothing that seems to be positive for this conversation. <laughs> so, so she just tells you, you're not just walking that path downhill. You're rolling down. I, I'm, I'm rolling. And believe me, I know we can't see each other right now, but uh, the last couple of years have, have in the pizzerias have not been kind to me or actually they've been very kind to me so i roll real fast since yeah. then uh but on a serious note and something that uh you know i feel and believe with every uh fiber of my being you know um we all have that person that coach if you will um that shapes us in a way that you know, as we go through life, we still refer to him or her as coach. And to me, that's the greatest mm -hmm. compliment that uh, anyone can give and or receive. And, and you just spoke to it very highly. I mean, I think mm -hmm. even Mr. Miyagi would approve. Yeah. Oh, well, I hope so. But, you know, I mean, coaches have a big responsibility and they yeah. change people's lives. Yeah. Um, you know, so. And sometimes they change them for the worse. You know, yeah. if, if that coach is walking their own path of mediocrity and they're not choosing to be a masterful coach and leaving their students and their and, the, and their athletes and whoever they're coaching um, better than they were when they were at that level, then, you know, they're making a big mistake and doing a big disservice to the people they're coaching. I was just going to say the flip side of that, Sensei, is um, I, I see it in my other professional endeavors uh, in, in coaching activities that I do with, with young student athletes. Um, you're right. There's just as many coaches out there that turn a child away mm -hmm. from yep. the sport and there's more talent walking the hallways and the streets of, you know, the hallways of our schools and the streets of our communities with such gifts and talents that unfortunately one experience, one bad experience with that one type of off. coach turned them yep. away from it. And it just saddens me. Yeah, and it happens everywhere all the time, and it's and it sucks. And that's because the coach himself or herself hasn't chosen to be more masterful at what they do, or they just don't care. Yeah, you know, at some point they just stopped caring, um, and it's sad. It's really sad. It is. Well, obviously, jujitsu or Japanese jujitsu and the martial arts have transformed who you are in a very positive way. Um, yeah. can you discuss the benefits of it? And is there a direct correlation between children who come to you with low self-esteem and uh, them transforming to stronger individuals mentally? No question. No, I was in a room full of over 400 black belts one time at a convention in Las Vegas. Most of them were school owners or fighters or what have you. And because we were in Las Vegas, people were 
asking about the money, you know, the whole money theme and mm-hmm. gambling and winning a million dollars came up. And, and there was a speaker who said, hey, you're all black belts. You all went through the process of becoming a black belt. Is there anybody in this room, if you went out tonight and pulled the handle on a slot machine and won a million dollars, is there anybody in this room would, who would trade your black belt in for that million dollars? And not one hand went up. Wow. Not one hand went up. And, you know, a few people had uh, had the chance to speak and stand up and give their story and their testimonial about what the martial arts had done for them. And, you know, I heard stories about people who were addicted to drugs. Martial arts got them off of it. I heard people who were ready to commit suicide. They started training in the martial arts and they, you know, they got past that depression and past that. And, and and did something productive with their, their lives. So story after story, uh, one one woman had been raped, um, you know, and close to suicide. Marsh started training in the martial arts. She, you know, grew out of it. Um, so, and, you know, and then there's just people who would not so such dramatic stories, but just low confidence, low self-esteem. Maybe they've been bullied, uh, whatever the case may be. And they started training in the martial arts and it transformed them. So there's ver- there's no question. Martial arts is one of the few institutions where you can go and 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 get a kid in involved, and it's gonna it's gonna train them on focus, on self-respect, respect of others, honor, discipline, self-confidence, self-awareness. You know, <clears throat> on and on. Where where do you find that? You don't find that in school. No. No. Uh, you're, you can find it in athletic, in other athletics, and if, if, like we said already, if the coach is aware himself or herself. Right. Otherwise, you know, the martial arts is a good place. Um, for, I think all kids should train in the martial arts. But then there again, you have to have the right teacher. Right. Because some of the teachers in the martial arts have no business teaching. Are there a lot of... Uh creases out there but can i say that um i don't know well there's there's definitely a few creases out there but there's also just a lot of ego out there really yeah i mean you th- and <laughs> if somebody asked me that question why is there so much ego in the martial arts and you think about it somebody has spent 10 12 20 years training in a specific art spending all that money going through all that blood and sweat and tears. Mm-hmm. Of course their art is the best art. Of course what they do is the best. Right. It's, there's, you know, there's a lot of ego in that world. But if you can step beyond that, um, th- that's, those are the people who move beyond that, all that stuff and all that talk and all that, you know, this art's better than that art, this blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, I'm better than you. I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm tougher than you. If you can move beyond all of that, um, that those are the people that choose mastery and choose to become more aware of, of what's really happening here. You well, know? at the end of the day, you're only as successful as your students become successful. And if you can't diminish the applause, if you will, for yourself uh, first, you know, I don't see how you can even uh, attempt mastery, you know, and, and I can I mean, that's like that in in the sports world in general, it's like that in the business world, especially. Yeah. Um, it's just amazing. But since hey, Ron, you, you've published two books that I'm aware of. Um, mm-hmm. Positive thinking is for sissies. <laughs> um, negative emotions like anxiety, fear, anger, guilt, shame, and sadness are true emotions. I get it. 
And for many out there, I feel, I mean, I'm going to use the word sickness can be a sickness. Um, your theory in this book, um, it's my belief is that you, a person can't just positive think in quotes, if I could, our way out of things. What do you mean by that? Well, you can be a positive thinker and still be broke. Right. You can be a positive thinker and still get a diagnosis. You can be a positive thinker and still be going through a bankruptcy or divorce. So there, and you can be a positive thinker and be struggling with anxiety or depression or low self-esteem or, you know, low confidence or whatever your issues are, confusion lack of clarity, you know, you can, you can be a positive thinker and positive thinking to me is sort of like, and by the way, I didn't say it was a bad thing. I'm thinking, I, I, I'm saying we should all think positive. Right. We should all, you know, f- look on the bright side, have that kind of attitude. But if that's your strategy for winning in life, good luck. Cause it's like, Oh, there's a silver lining in every cloud. You know, <laughs> when one door closes, another one opens I'll just win. I'll just get them the next time. You know, right. everything always works out for the best unless it doesn't. And then what? Right. So when I, when I put that title in, in with the content of that book, master your damn emotions is the, uh, you know, the subtitle, then we're talking about anxiety and we're talking about sadness and fear and these types of things that really people struggle with. Um, mastery is a whole different level than mastering those emotions because right now they're mastering you is the theme of that book and positive thinking is not going to get you to the level of uh, where you want to be when you move beyond those things right so you have to be able to look in the mirror and and own some of your own stuff your own anger your own sadness you know um, your own victimhood. And, and, and that's painful. It's painful to look in the mirror and own your stuff. You've been pointing the finger at everyone else this whole time, blaming everyone else. You know, life is doing this to me. They're doing it to me. And that's not the truth. You're doing it to yourself. And that's not positive thinking. That's mastery. And mastery is for warriors. Positive thinking is for sissies. It's a good start, but it's not going to get you to where you want to be. And that's thank my whole, that's my whole theme. That is amazing. Thank God, thank God, I don't have a mirror right in front of me as we're recording this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, your we other have books, an inner mirror. <laughs> your other book's called "The Best You Can Socks," right? Uh, both these titles, I love these titles, and it feels a little bit of there's Cobra Kai in there a little bit. Um, it talks about sure. the five reasons why and what to do about it. Can you share with us some of that? Yeah. Well, first, and 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 first of all. Cobra Kai never die. Right. So of course there's Cobra Kai in my stuff. Um, yeah, well, the best you can think about people are always doing the best they can, but the best you can in any given moment fluctuates and the best you can, um, is determined by your mood. So if I feel like doing the best I can, I'll, I'll do my best, but your best and your potential are two different things. Your potential never fluctuates. What you're fully capable of as a human being, most people don't even know what they're capable of because they haven't put themselves to the test. Um, And so your potential side by side with the best you can, your potential is going to trump the best you can every single time. Right. Because 
you know, I, I a few years ago, uh, I had slipped and fallen in the rain downtown L.A. And I hit the ground so hard and so fast, I couldn't even break my fall. And I'm really good at breaking my fall. You know, I'm a jiu-jitsu right. fighter. But I hurt my back. I, f- I had a compression fracture in one of my vertebrae. Now, the best I could physically before I fell and the best I could physically after I fell were two different things. So our, our best fluctuates from, time, from day to day. It's determined by our mood. Um, and people show up in one of two ways, what they feel like doing or what they think they can get away with. Mm-hmm. And what they feel like doing has everything to do with being comfortable. I just want to feel comfortable. And what we think we can get away with has every, we want everything to be easy, as easy as possible. So if I can get away with doing 10 pushups versus, uh, uh, you know, 20, I'm going to do that. And <clears throat> that's how subconsciously people show up. And so when you're, if your mindset is, you know, it's kind of like this, if you want to get in shape and five o'clock in the morning is the only time you got to go running, you set the alarm clock for 5am and when the alarm clock goes off, guess what? A whole nother part of you shows up (laughs) and that's the part that wants to hit the snooze button. So now you have two parts in conflict. You have the part that wants to get in shape and the other part that wants to hit the snooze button and Whoever wins in that moment is going to determine your results. So the way beyond that is accountability, right? Like get a training partner. So like if I show up at your, if I show up at your house at 5 a.m., what are the chances of you getting out of bed now? So, uh, you know, our just made me feel guilty for uh, skipping all my reps this morning. So (laughs) (laughs) see. Tomorrow, I will not. <laughs> Arm <laughs> curls with coffee doesn't count, Beard. Uh, well, I, you, you kind of brought up, you know, the coaching and stuff like that. Do they have a mastery of it, right? And you just kind of, and just what you talked about right now. I had a high school basketball coach. And the one thing about the guy is that he never asked you anything that he couldn't do. That guy could outlift you. He could outrun you. He was competitive. I remember he, I lived, I grew up in a small town of like 1,700 people. And we had to pass the mile under a certain time just to make the tryouts for basketball. And he would make us do this training where we had, we, we called it run, run the block. And we had to run out in the middle of the country up this hill, this huge hill by the cemetery, right? And I literally remember running, he'd run with us. And I remember running this hill and we get to the top of the hill and he kind of, he's, he's like saying stuff under his breath. And all of a sudden he runs back down the hill and I'm like, what the hell is he doing? And he runs back up the hill and I said, you all right? He goes, yeah, I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't happy the way I ran that. I, I could have done it better. And so he went back down there and did it. And I will never forget that ever. That's funny. It's yeah. Grained in my head. So, And that's a guy who's leaning. He's not leaning into the best he can. He's leaning into his potential. Yeah. And that's the type of guy who wins. That's the, that's what champions are made of. Yep. The, the people that win consistently, you know. Yeah. And the other – and how those two – my two books tie together is um, – also, people are looking through a lens of subconscious limiting beliefs, like I'm not good enough, I don't deserve it, I'm unlovable, no one likes me, um, and ultimately, I'm not enough. And if that's the lens you're looking through the world at, then what does your best look like? Right. Through hmm. that lens, you, you can't even see what the best you can really is which is really your potential because you're looking at it through i'm not enough but then again sensei 
that could that lens that 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 vision or what you want to call it or refer to it if that person that type of person has very well in most cases was shaped by another human being a coach or an experience or all the above together wouldn't you agree yeah and so it's a limiting belief system and largely it's unconscious and it's shaped before coaches come usually it's shaped by a parent right and i i had it i still have it i still struggle with it you mentioned you listed a whole big bio of me what do you think drove me to accomplish all of those things a hole in me that said you're not enough and the problem with that hole is it can never be filled and so you go out and you try to accomplish all these things in the world and the hole is never filled. And I know exactly where it came from. Yeah. You know, it's, and <clears throat> it's kind of like a, a kid who comes home with it. You know, he's seven years old. He comes home with his report card and his dad looks at it and says, Oh, you got mostly A's, but you got a B and you got one C. Hey, your sister didn't get any C's. Mm-hmm. I know that you I know that you can do as good as your sister, can't you? Next time, I don't want to see any C's on your report card, okay? What did a seven-year-old kid just hear? Keep in mind. uh, Yeah, he starts comparing himself. I'm not as good. He feels like he's not enough, ultimately. And and the problem with that is he's got the same dad. So the next week at the soccer tournament, he scores a goal. And the dad's really happy. But guess what? Little Johnny, he scored three goals. Yep. You know, I, I know you can be as good as little Johnny. You can score three goals. Every, you know, and, and the father's not doing that on purpose. He's trying to motivate his son, right, to be better and to bring out the best. But he doesn't know what he's doing because he hasn't had the training. Right. He doesn't understand that the seven-year-old kid doesn't have a critical mind yet that doesn't have a, a, a faculty in his brain to be able to critically analyze information coming in. So essentially he's in hypnosis, right. the kid, the kid. And so he's taking on hypnotic suggestions. So when I say it's subconscious beliefs, it's programming from a very early age and well, we all have it. And then the flip side of that, I mean, there's, there's a flip side to that, right? You could overly compliment, give your kid a false sense of accomplishment too. Am I right? That, sure. that just affects you, right? The, the, oh, you, you, you know, you're great. You're awesome. You do fantastic. But actually, the effort wasn't there. And, you know, you're, I, I've seen that as well. And um, I could sit there and say, it's funny. I, you know, God bless my mom. I loved her to death. She's always been that way with me. And my father's been the, was, was the opposite, right? He was, well, you could have did better. Or, you know, hey, you know, highest scoring game in the year. But, yeah, you should have made that other shot. That's the way my dad was. Uh, but yeah. my mom was on the opposite. It was like, oh, you're perfect. You're great. Everyone loves you. And I'm like, mom, there are people in this world that do not like me. And, it, it's, <laughs> and it's okay. I'm all right with that. Apparently, apparently uh, <laughs> there's a guy in Houston that doesn't like you. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Me and, or he doesn't me, like your beard. He doesn't. Me and 95% of our listeners. <laughs> but so I think See, I know. Not enough, Kirby. Not, <laughs> not enough. That's exactly right. But uh, since I mentioned earlier um, about some of the advanced uh, certification and training that you, that you have obtained over the course of time, can you tell us a little bit about your journey into personal empowerment uh, as well as the motiva- motivational coaching side and how you're using that today? Yeah, it, like I said, it started with my sensei when he started talking to me in a way that other people hadn't about life, about your own mindset, 
about, you know, and, and then as I started to realize how I had won swimming races when I had won, you know, or how I had taken the losses so hard, or, you know, I started to realize some of these things as I got older. And then I got, of course, into the most competitive town in the world, Hollywood. Uh, <clears throat> right. You know, lots of disappointments in Hollywood. Um, we don't have time for all the stories. Uh, but, you know, and then also training other athletes, I started to really to look at the mindset. And I always knew the power of the mind. And, and um, then one day I'm listening to how Tiger Woods was training. And he had gotten into sports hypnosis. Of course, they don't advertise that because the word hypnosis is kind of like voodoo in, right. <laughs> in a lot of areas. A lot of people who don't understand it, that, you know. Um, but he was doing hypnosis and he was turned on to it by Michael Jordan, who had used it his whole career. And I, wanted, and I thought, okay, I'm going to go get training in hypnosis. I'm going to find out what the subconscious mind is all about because it's the most powerful part of our mind anyway. I'm going to go see what that's, that's about and how I can help my fighters um, get better at fighting and, and if there's anything there. And so I went and got trained in, in uh, hypnosis at the Hypnosis Motivation Institute in L.A. Um, it's this nation's premier hypnotherapy school. And then I got involved in neurolinguistic programming, which is Tony Robbins' background. Right. He, all of his stuff comes out of NLP and and all of this subconscious reprogramming and focus and really starting to understand what the power of the mind is and what it's really all about, um, kind of led me on that journey and down that path. That's I've read some of your blogs and I see that two of them are about resolutions of the new year uh, in the past two years. What are your thoughts about the, the time old tradition of new year's resolutions since we're, you know, just got done with the new year's. Are they a positive thing or actually a negative thing? Uh, I think everybody should set goals. <laughs> I just kind of make fun of resolutions because, you know, here we are at the end of January and most people's resolutions, they've forgotten what they are. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the gym, the gym was a little more crowded three weeks ago. You right. know, I was at the gym this morning. It was a little less crowded for some reason. <laughs> you know, um, people just kind of get, it's real easy to fall back into our rut and our routine and to deal with the daily challenges. Like I said, it's the best you can. You know, it, it's determined by your mood. If you feel like going to the gym, you, when we just fall right. back into the, to the same old routine. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I hate new year's resolution. I'll just put out, I just hate them because I, I, in my mind, I sit there and think, okay, you set a goal to start something, maybe three months on a specific day. And then, you know, if you fall off that path a little bit or get distracted, you're done until the next year. That's what, that's why I hate it. It's like, if you have a goal, like you said, everyone should have goals and strive for something. You need to start yeah. start tomorrow. Don't wait until yeah. the new year and then you know, well, I did, I messed up, and so I got to wait till next year. That's what drives me nuts. Yeah, well, it's and it's mindset, right? Mm -hmm. It's you know, at the beginning of the year, your mind is set, but then your mind changes somehow. Um, and I and uh, one of the metaphors I like to use is, is swimming when I'm setting a goal uh, and I'm at one side of the pool, my goal is to get to the other side of the pool first. It's kind of like setting a goal. What do you notice when you set a goal? You, the first thing you notice is a gap between where you are and where you want to be mm -hmm. distance. 
and you got to fight. You got to fight all this water. You got to deal with this challenge and move all these obstacles to get to where you want to be. That's one kind of mindset. And what I started realizing as I started winning in swimming is because is the is the fact that I my mindset was already at the other side of the pool. Hmm. I Your closed result. the gap. Yep. The, so champions are already where they want to be mentally, even though their body may be here. So if we can set a goal and be thinking from the goal versus thinking from where we are currently, that's two different mindsets. If you're already owned it, if you've already embodied that goal, if it's already part of your identity and you're thinking from it, even though you might not have manifested it yet, that's a completely different mindset. And I like to train people on acquiring that mindset. Um, and that's different. Most people don't have that kind of, uh, you know, they just set a New Year's resolution. It's, this is where they want to go, but they're thinking from where they are currently. Right. And then life shows up. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have to be able to audible. I, I always, I always talk to people about, you know, Omaha, Omaha, you know, the great Peyton Manning. Um, mm -hmm. You have to, and it ties in with mindset. I mean, you have to be able to audible. You're not going to get to and through mastery um, to that level of mastery if you can't audible. I mean, your swimming analogy is great. I mean, I coach swim teams as well. And, you know, we could line up six swimmers during a training session um, and, and, put different levels of resistance on three of them and leave the other three, you know, free and open. And the mindset of the goal should not change, but how you get there and being able to audible through that does need to. So you have to Omaha, Omaha that. Um, mm -hmm. But since I, I, I mean, obviously I just mentioned it again, but earlier in the show, I, I, I mentioned that I do coach and, and mentor young student athletes as well um, to perform at higher levels, but can you share with us maybe a well-known success story? Um, and since I know all my top flight athletes will be listening, can you share one piece of advice with them, uh, and myself as well? Well, the one piece of advice I would offer is really what I just said is learning how to, uh, think from the place you want to be versus from where the place you are currently. So once you, See, a, a champion's mindset is they've already, like Tiger Woods, he's already won the tournament in his mind, starting on the first tee, right? Now, maybe over the last few years he's struggled because <laughs> he's had some injuries, but the mindset is, is completely different. So the swimming analogy is good because uh, if I'm thinking from the other side of the pool, I've already won the race yeah. even before I started. I'm thinking differently. I'm closer to certainty. Everyone else on the starting block is closer to doubt. That's powerful. And what moves the needle between doubt and certainty is trust, self-trust, right? Confidence, yes, but confidence is driven by tr how much you trust yourself. Hmm. Um, if I've already won the race in my mind, if that's my mindset, then I trust myself a heck of a lot. Even though I know there's a part of me knows nothing is ever certain, especially in the world of athletics, Nothing's ever really certain. I don't care about that part. My mindset is closer to certainty because I've embodied the fact that I've already won the race even before the, the gun went off, the starting gun. That's the piece of advice I'd like to leave with your listeners is to try to, or your athletes, is to try to start to embody that 
type of a mindset because the thinking is different than everyone else who's, oh, God, I got to make this happen. I got to force it. Right. I got to drive myself to that goal. Here's the problem with that. Anytime you create tension and anxiety and you contract. So if I have to make something happen, if I have to make myself win this race, I have to force it. I've contracted. I've created tension. I've created anxiety. Guess what state I'm not in? I'm Mm. not in the zone. I'm out of the flow state. You cannot get in the zone when, if there's tension and anxiety, you have to, instead of making something happen, you have to get out of your own way and let it. Hmm. I have to create a state of relaxation. And the way you do that is you trust your muscle memory. You trust your training. You trust what you've done to this point. And now you just get out of your own way and swim the damn race. Yeah. Now you're so in the we zone. Ha- <clears throat> so we have a saying, I, I would like to know, and I'm so grateful you shared that with, with all of our listeners, and especially my, my young student-athletes, Sensei, but can you, can you agree or disagree with this statement? Consistency is trust, trust is consistency. Um, tell me more. <laughs> I don't know if I can agree. <laughs> you're so, <laughs> so, well, no, I mean, it, it, in the simplest, I and mean, we don't have time to go, you know, through it all. But if you trust what is being said and shared and you trust your actions, they got you there. And the mindset is to get there ahead of the actual race, for an example, then you need to be consistent through the process that got you there. So it, do you not agree or disagree that trust is consistency and consistency is trust? I guess I could put it that way. Well, I think, um, you know, you're kind of talking about the competency, confidence loop, right? You have, if you have a core competency, then the more solid that competency is, you're going to be more confident. And, and then the more confident you are, the more competent you are. Um, and there's that loop. Self-trust, there's still that lens of I'm not good enough. I'm not, you know, there's there, doubt is the athlete's worst enemy. Mm-hmm. And if doubt creeps in, if, if the athlete is leaning more toward doubt, there's not going to be that level of trust, no matter how consistent they've been. So then the athlete, let's, let's flip it over to the athlete towards the coach. I love that you're sharing this, um, and especially the loop. So the athlete towards the coach, if the, if the athlete, what you're suggesting, I guess, is, is that self-doubt can very much, if not exclusively, be tied to that trust and consistency within that coach and what they're showing and telling. If the, if the athlete doubts what that coach is saying to be consistent or true or trustworthy, then that self-doubt will then creep in. Is that true? That's true. I, okay. I agree with that. Okay. I agree with that. And, and you know, um, there's a lot of athletes who don't trust their coaches for, mm-hmm. for good reason, you know. Um, and there are athletes who totally trust their coach. And for good reason. So it, it just depends on the relationship that's been developed and the coach with the coach and everything. But an athlete has to be able to think independently of everyone. You got to remember that a coach, let me uh, take boys um, specifically, because I'm thinking of father figures. You know, a lot of my coaches were sort of like father figures. What are we seeking? We're seeking approval. Mm-hmm. 
and you're if you're if the coach has stepped in and who is now a father or a mother figure and, and if for a female athlete or whatever um the coach has stepped into that place it, the the athlete is seeking approval largely from the coach and then from the team if it's a team sport and then from the fans and part of the fans include mom and dad lots of younger athletes are seeking approval if we could get past that where you're not seeking approval but you you know you're you've owned it already and you're seeking just to win you're seeking to challenge yourself as an athlete you're seeking to prove yourself as an athlete and you can get past the, the thing of trying to seek approval that's where you can confuse trust i'll mm-hmm. trust my coach i'll, I'll do what he says cuz unconsciously i'm really just wanting i just want his approval mm-hmm. wow you follow so Absolutely. that's that's where i learned a lot about the subconscious mind, our unconscious behaviors and how they show up and interfere with our potential. It's, I think it's the athlete, it's the athlete that gets out of his own way that stops seeking the approval of everybody except his own self-approval. You know, yeah. it's, it's nice. It's nice to have that fan adulation. It's nice to have the approval of coach and team members, etc. Don't get me wrong. We're human beings. We need that. We want that. But that can't be our driving force. Of course, right. and, and it is unconsciously for a lot of, especially younger athletes. Um, you, if you look at somebody like Tiger or you look at uh, Tiger Woods or, or champions who are, have been around a while, they're not seeking other people's approval. They mm-hmm. can largely give a damn about what other people think. You know, and yeah. actors, actors, same thing. Yep. Good God. <laughs> you know, <laughs> You want to be a good actor, you've got to get out of your own head right. and into, into your heart and connect with what's happening in the scene. You can't be thinking about trying to get the approval of fans or the director, director or, yeah. or anyone else. You, you, it's not about getting approval. It's, it's motivational speaking. If I'm going to take the stage and make a claim on some of the things I've shared with you guys, there's going to be a lot of people that disagree with things I've just said. Right. Guess what? I, I don't, don't give care. a damn. <laughs> don't care. I don't give a damn. I'm not here to be right. Right people, the right fighters of the world. You can be right all you want. You can, or you, and you can also be broke. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be right and and lose the race. You can, you know, it's the right fighters that haven't got past their own ego um, to take on new information, even if it's from a coach or someone else. Yeah. So well, since they I, run... I, I've gotten past that. This has been amazing. I mean, this has been one of the most probably this is probably the most deep show we've had, and I've really enjoyed having you on and sharing your story and your journey. In fact, I mean, this is there's so much good information here. I think I'm gonna have to charge people to listen to the show. Um, <laughs> you should send me a cut, would you? <laughs> I will. Yeah. Uh, you're a very impressive individual. Um, you know, I, I knew you were coming in, and it's been such an amazing pleasure to bring back part of my childhood uh, with the guys I watch on the big screen from um, one of my all-time favorite movies. Again, thanks sure. for playing along with Scott and I. We'd love to have you back. Um, I hope we can, ca- can continue this friendship. This has been phenomenal. Uh, so but much love and success to you and your future, and I hope the Karate Saga continues to entertain many more generations and last for at least another 30 years, right? Oh, yeah. For, well, I think it will, and I, I appreciate that. There's a hashtag out there, by the way, hashtag bring back Bobby. Really? <laughs> so, oh, bring yeah. Bring back Bobby. So, if you guys, if your followers want to follow me on Instagram, it's the real sense, uh, the real Ron Thomas. Um, Facebook is Sensei Ron Thomas. 
Yeah, I know. So look me up and follow me. I've got some cool announcements. I'm going to be bringing some of my coaching and training cool. to the general public and to my fan base. Um, I've just got a new webinar platform that I'm working on. So I'll be bringing some live webinars and, you know, you can watch those wherever you are in the world. Uh, and yeah, the hashtag, you know, it was somebody who created it, bring back Bobby, um, because of the Cobra Kai series. Yeah. So if they right. asked you back, would you go back and do it? Uh, good Lord. I'm an actor. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Kirby. Was Actors question. never going to turn down that kind of, you know, a job for sure. <laughs> you know yeah oh awesome. yeah it's you know and then those guys are my friends and i think what they've created is uh unbelievable yeah. you know a reinvention of what was already a legend i think uh the creators john herwitz and hayden sloshberg and, and josh healed um have really done something special yeah no I, when i watched it i was you know it was when they redo things you're kind of like ah eh, whatever and then i watched it i was like whoa this is really yeah. awesome <laughs> And it blew me away. Yeah. It, it just w way above and beyond my expectations. Yeah, they've done a great job. And, of course, uh, Billy and Ralph are great in it. And uh, it's got a great cast. And, yeah, I think it, I think uh, I read something recently. Um, Rotten Tomatoes gave it the best new TV drama for yes, 2018. Yeah. You are correct. I did see that. Yeah. Well, there, there you hear it, friends. The legacy lives on. Make sure to go out to hashtag bring back Bobby. And uh, Ron, before we let you go, I've got to ask one more question. We do this at the end of every show with all of our guests. Um, which look which look do you like better, my friend, beard or bald? bald. Wait, 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 wait. Do you answer already? <laughs> was that it? That was too quick. <laughs> Give it. Go. Oh, I hell with it. That was too easy. I know. Well, you know, if I lose, I have to shave my head and my, you know, beard. So but, there he goes for the sympathy. It, Don't even know. Nah. You'll fit question. in with the cool kids. <laughs> you'll, shave your head. You'll fit in with the cool kids. It works. Oh, my gosh. Hey, he said it, not me, beard. I you know. Unfortunately, I was looking at it the other day. I might be naturally going that way anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know that story. <laughs> Well, hey, I definitely approve of what I heard today. So, Sensei Iran, I sure appreciate the time, and, and and we just feel incredibly blessed that you joined us. And uh, before we sign off, I want to again remind everybody: subscribe at Anchor.fm/backslash/biz with Beard and Bald, then share it with your friends on all social media pages. And uh, we want to thank Mr. Ron Thomas again for joining us today. And please go to Sensei Ron's website at senseirontomas.com. That's senseirontomas.com. You can order both of his books that we spoke about today. Positive Thinking is for Sissies and The Best You Can Sucks, unless you have a beard. And uh, if that's the best <laughs> you can, it sucks even worse. Um, but I know beard <laughs> and I will. So you can also schedule him for seminars and speaking engagements. Um, on there as well and additionally make sure everyone uh, sets their kids down and watches all the original um, Karate Kid movies and uh, as we just learned today on the show hashtag bring Bobby back <laughs> yeah baby <laughs> I agree he was like a god walking amongst mere mortals well, again thanks Ryan we really really appreciate it yeah, you guys have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. So there you have it, friends. Another show's in the books. But never fear, Beard of Bald will always be here. So until next time, same bald head, same beard channels. Good afternoon, and thank you for listening to Hashtag Biz with Beard of Bald. Remember, every genius idea starts with a stroke of the beard. Have a successful day. And I get away
Hey, hashtag biz with beard and bald fans. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. It was brought to you by ACS Executives. Let me ask you something. As an entrepreneur or business owner, are you tired of struggling with running your business? Do you feel you can drive more revenue, improve your profits, and run more efficiently if you had a little help? Well, you are not alone, and there is a solution for you. Like many small businesses, as the owner, you wear a lot of hats. And why wouldn't you? You started this thing, so you're very careful and particular about it. Well, at ACX Executives, we do a deep dive into your business to help your business grow revenues, improve profits, acquire capital, and run more efficiently. We just don't point out problems. We help you resolve them through our family of companies and the solutions they provide. We share some of the best practices and processes and coach you and your team through them. Our suite of quality products and services will help you get there quickly and smoothly. That's how we ensure your success. So visit us at acsexec.com or call us at 1-800-495-6505 and schedule a free 30-minute consulting assessment. Have a successful day, and we hope you enjoy today's episode of Hashtag Biz with Beard and Bald.